Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, and joining me for today's conversation is Vicar Hill, our new vicar here at Holy Cross. It's great to be with you. And today we're going to look at the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, and you can listen to those readings. They were dropped on the reading podcast yesterday. Specifically, we're going to look at the gospel lesson, and there's a lot of connection to the Old Testament lesson, but it is St. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 22. And I really like this text on a lot of levels. We have Jesus coming off of feeding the 5,000 men. And I always want to be very specific about this. They just counted the men. So it's mm-hmm. not just 5,000. There's 10,000. I don't know. There, there's plenty of people. So he does this miraculous thing of feeding everybody. Then he sends the disciples and he himself gets on the boat, goes across the sea, and he's met by that same crowd. I don't know if all thousand came running, but a sizable crowd, and they run. And I love what happens next. Jesus gets off the boat, and the crowd, they ask this question, and this is verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And I put this emphasis on there, like, Jesus, we didn't expect to see you here. They ran around the sea. They didn't get in boats and row faster than Jesus and the disciples. They ran to the other side of the sea. And then they act surprised that Jesus is there. And I love how Jesus responds. He doesn't respond to, oh, I I rowed over, or I I took a nap on the boat and, and we made it over. He simply says, truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me, not because you saw signs, the feeding of the 5,000, this miraculous event, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Vicar, how do you respond to this? Because he's not answering their question. Yeah, he's, he's kind of redirecting, but at the same time, he's kind of pointing right to the heart of the matter and calling them on why they're really there, which is pretty interesting. But with that, he's kind of shifting the focus away from what's just happened and getting into what this really means. Um, Because you ate your fill of the loaves. Right. Jesus knows why they've traveled around to see him again. And he's kind of getting to their intention, which really leads us into the rest of the text, which has a lot going on there too. So what's neat about that is he doesn't let them get off. And again, you know, the way I asked the question, Jesus, when did you show up? And if you could see me, my hands are up, you know, and the, the, the cute little trying to play this off as coincidence. And I think you're right. He cuts to the chase, the heart of the matter. You're here because you're hungry and you got a free lunch. 
and you're missing the point. Now, with that, what's the point? I mean, he gave them food. What does he expect to happen? I, I remember growing up and I was told never to feed the stray cat because they'll never leave. Jesus feeds these hungry people miraculously. And Scripture doesn't show or expose that the people understand where the food came from. And I think that's kind of interesting. They know that it came from Jesus. I don't know if they get the idea that it was a miracle or that he was able to send the disciples into the, the countryside and they quickly got enough food. Who knows how much, you know. But they understand that Jesus is the guy for the free lunch. And if there's anything about a free lunch, we all know. Oh, yeah. The only thing better than one free lunch <laughs> two free lunches. Yeah. So they want to see some more. They want to see some more action. They want to have Jesus repeat this if he can. And we have to keep in mind, too, as as the current reader in our time, it's, it's kind of easy for us to read this story, to know the narrative, mm -hmm. and watch this unfold and say, well, they just saw Jesus right. feed the 5,000-plus women yeah. and children. Isn't that enough? Shouldn't that be enough for them to understand who Jesus is and what's going on? And that's not really the case. That's not really the case because they don't have the full picture of Jesus right. yet like we have. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. But then also we have to remember they've never seen anything like this. They've heard about it, as we see later in the reading with Moses, uh, but they've never seen anyone perform such a miracle. And so I think for us as the current reader, we need to kind of put it in that context and say, well, they're not just being completely naive and right. yeah. they're not just, uh, you know, missing the point completely, but they, this is unlike anything they've ever seen. So I, I'll give you that. Um, this is something different. And I like your, your statement, you know, uh, we like a free lunch we like a second free lunch even more. They saw food. They saw this immediate need being filled. And this isn't just, you know, they they have their hands out and they're waiting for the next handout. They know Jesus is the guy to give them this handout, to give them this free lunch. They miss the bigger point. But they also let it be they're too close or they're, they, they don't see the big picture yet. And... But Jesus doesn't let them off on that either. And he teaches. But that's what he always does. Jesus comes to where the people are, where the situation is. But he never leaves them there. He doesn't feed them and, and dash. He doesn't say, your sins are forgiven and run away. He really does change them or, or teaches and creates the opportunity for that faith to be planted and that faith to take seed and to the faith to grow. And this goes right into the, the next verse, verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. I think this is neat. Because again, Jesus is still not really responding directly to the crowd. Jesus is talking about what he wants to talk about. And it's his favorite subject. It's himself. And only Jesus can do this without any arrogance, narcissism, or anything like that. Because he's truly giving himself, as he'll describe later in this text, for the life of the people, for the life of you and me. 
But that first statement in verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes. Now, I'm going to impose upon the crowd. I think they're wanting this next free meal, this next free lunch, but they think they deserved it. They ran th- uh, around the Sea of Tiberias. They ran to be there. Look, Jesus, we showed up again. Look how good we are. We want to follow you. And we proved, we proved our loyalty. Don't you want to give us another free meal? And I, I think that's interesting. And again, I'm opposing. I, I don't see that directly in the text, except the urgency to run around the sea, the urgency to meet Jesus on the other side, and then to be there. And I do think their hands are held out. I don't think they're demanding. I don't think they're, you know, Jesus, you will give us food. But it's, hey, we're here. Don't you want to give us this free food? What do you got to say about that? Well, I think it's interesting. Um, they they do this work to go there, mm-hmm. and they're kind of expecting this. And then, like you've mentioned, Jesus kind of puts everything in focus the way Jesus wants it to be seen. Because even the crowd's response then, Jesus kind of makes this, do not labor for the food that perishes. And then the crowd says, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So they are even, they've already made the journey over there. Mm -hmm. And it's again, this, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to see more, Jesus? What do we need to do to get more? And it kind of, in our thinking, again, proves that they're they're missing the point a little bit. Absolutely. What I like about that is um, they ask, they hear, okay, work, something to do. Okay, Jesus, don't hold out on us. We, we want some more bread and fish. So what do we need to do? That is a great question, but the wrong motivation. Jesus, what do we need to do? My hand is out. My belly is empty. Let's go. I'm hungry. And again, Jesus doesn't answer their question or doesn't answer the way they want it. This is the work of God. Okay, Jesus, I'm ready. I got my pen and paper. I'm ready to take notes. This will be 12 steps. You know, since you're Jesus, we'll move it down to seven, the divine number of completion and perfection. So I'm ready. Tell me what to do. That you believe in him who has, who he has sent. Okay, what do I do? And I love this because we do this today. Uh, and we struggle with this. Be baptized, believe, live out your faith, trust in God. These are so abstract. Talk about the immensity of God. Talk about forever. Talk about the depths of his love. Talk about all the, the freedom and free gospel, free work, free gifts that Jesus gives to us. What do I do? Tell me what to do. I want. I don't want to miss out. And this is where I'm going to give the crowd a lot of benefit of the doubt. They really do want to know, what is this that I must do? Now, their motivation, I'll throw them under the bus on this one. They're, they're hungry. They want the next free meal. And with this, I, I think, again, I, I don't want to throw them too far under the bus. They have this immediate need, food. And somebody just gave them a free meal. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to buy it. They didn't have to labor for it. And, and that's a big deal. And, and the way that they dealt with food and meals is so different than what we do. 
We just go to the store. How intimately connected are they to not only finding food, but preparing food? And it's not that they're just eating to survive, but they're a lot closer to that than we are in our current day and age. So they see that Jesus is the bread giver, and they want to put him, exalt him, and truly make them their bread king. But notice in those statements, bread king, bread provider, this is all an immediate earthly need, which in of itself is not wrong. But if that's all you want from Jesus, as you said, Vicar, they miss the point. They've come to the God who wants to provide the daily bread, and that's all they asked for. Just today's meal. I'll come back tomorrow for the next meal, but just the meal. And that statement, believe on the one who he sent. And I'm trying to picture and imagine the, the shock of the crowd with that answer. Because they're not given a list. They're not given a to-do list. They're not even given the law. Believe. And I'm very curious. And so he goes on. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate of the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, this gets interesting for me. Again, they just ate this miraculous bread. They recognize that Jesus is the one who can provide for, the, for them. And now they ask, prove it. Prove that you can do this. Prove that you are the one who you say you are. And if you prove it, We'll believe you. And I love this if-then statement. Talk about missing the point, missing Jesus. And again, he's standing there wanting, willing to give them so much. And they ask for proof. Do you see any applications for this? Well, it, one thing that comes to mind is the crowd seems not only short-sighted mm -hmm. and they want food here and now that will that will get me through the day, maybe get me through this day to tomorrow when Jesus, the bread king, can provide again. Yeah. So it's, it's not just short-sighted, but they're also putting their trust in wrong, in the wrong place in the way I'm seeing it. Because even when they ask for another sign, they point back to Moses. And they almost imply that it was, it was not God who provided through Moses. It was Moses doing the sign and providing the manna himself. And so Jesus, again, has to kind of course correct. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So he's pointing it back to, this is God's work. And this is God's work now through me as God's son sent by God here to provide. And the way Jesus came to provide is, is not a temporary provision. This provision has greater implications than this crowd can see, and it really goes far beyond that. I really like that you, you bring up the, the eternal implications of what Jesus is saying, because uh, later Jesus will say, the bread that your fathers ate was truly from heaven, and they died. The bread I give you brings eternal life. And now we get a separation. This isn't just the physical, let me fill your belly. 
This is the spiritual bread of life that stands before them, the incarnate word made flesh. And now these are huge things. And of course, we get to say this because we, we know the, the whole story. But this is what Jesus is revealing to them. And he points out to them, I am the bread of life. Yes, that the, the manna experience that Moses gave them through my father, yes, was a miracle. Yes, that very food kept them alive for the 40 years that they suffered because of their disobedience. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting that they pulled that uh, event out. That's not a good shining example because Israel in captivity saw the miraculous works done through Moses, the 10 plagues. And what do they do? They spend five minutes in the desert and it's hot out here. Did you bring us out here because there's no graves in Egypt? They just complain. Where was the trust? Where was the, the hope that they had? They did nothing but complain. And they wandered in the desert as a result of this. And when Jesus says, you will hunger and thirst no more with this bread of life, once again, and I like your, your phrase, short-sighted, you mean I don't have to cook again? You mean I, don't, I get not just today's free lunch, but forever? Give me that. Uh, they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And I, again, I love Jesus. And I think he's really calm, cool, and collect. And he's not just stringing them along. It's not just, I'm smarter than you. But again, he's going to talk about what he wants to talk about. And I love his answer. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes me shall not thirst. That's not what they asked for. Where's the, the, the bottomless cup of soup and bottomless cup of coffee, whatever? Where is the never-ending food that you're promising Jesus? And I really think he points to himself. I am. Now, that's a big statement, too, because now he's uh, hinting, not subtly, that he is God and that he's going to provide life, that he is the bread, the, the food that will support you forever and ever and ever and ever. And this goes right over the crowd's head. And, and again, I, I struggle only because we see, once again, the, the, the bigness of what Jesus is saying. I have no idea what they're getting. I, are they really hungry or can they only see the solution to their problem in the next free meal? I, I, I don't know. And I'm very earthly too. When I get hungry, all I can think about is food and so on and so forth. But that statement, I am the bread of life. I am the one who comes down from heaven. I am the heavenly manna literally laid down for you. And I, you know, again, what did the crowd hear? Do we eat you? I, what are we to do with this information? And he says, believe, believe. Now, of course, we know that they do not believe. And to what extent they don't believe, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think that uh, there was a mass conversion through this event. But I don't think they got it. And to be fair, if somebody said, you know, I'm the bread of life, Okay, metaphorically, uh, allegorically, wh what do you mean? And I, I love it. Jesus literally means he is the bread. 
the heavenly bread. He is the one sent. He is the I am. And of course, they never, not never, they don't understand what is before them. And rightly so. I think you painted a really good picture. This is new to them. And it's so new, they don't actually know how to deal with it. And that's the struggle of faith on this side of heaven. How many times do we hear something new from Scripture and we need to wrestle with it, find that immediate application to our daily life? And if we can't, well, it doesn't really mean much or, or you know, something dismissive. And this is really hard on so many levels because Jesus comes and bears himself the immensity of his gifts. And we don't like free stuff. We don't like the inability to pay back or to earn it or to feel worthy of these gifts. And I don't know if the crowd is doing this or not, but they don't get it. And I I think too often we don't get it. And I think if you look at the very ending, uh, end of our reading, you kind of get a sense of the the person and work of Jesus. Because how easy would it have been for Jesus to just continue to be this bread king oh, yeah. for a little while longer? Mm-hmm. He's getting a little bit of fame, some recognition. People love him because of what he's doing. And yeah. it would be so easy to just continue on with that. But instead, we see Jesus say something controversial, <laughs> something that, that makes them think, and wonder what's really going on. Uh, And we know there's something a lot bigger going on, that he is the bread of life from heaven, that it's not just a temporal uh, filling of the belly that's going on. Jesus came, word word made flesh, to come down to give life, not just life here, but life eternal. And that's something that... I don't think many people were expecting in that crowd. Yeah. And it's almost like you want to you want to get the reaction from the crowd. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're not given that, but it shows that Jesus he didn't come to set up some earthly kingdom right. or gain popularity here and please people in the here and now. He had a larger goal in mind and he came to provide himself so that we could have life. And that that's something that we can't really uh, it's something we get to wrestle with, but knowing the full picture of Jesus just adds so much light to this text and then the rest of the narrative as we move forward. Oh, and, and I appreciate that because that's what we do in church. The bread of life comes to us. And too often, it's I go through the motions for the liturgy. I make sure that I sing loud enough so that my neighbor can hear me. But do we expect that the bread of life has come? Do we fully expect to be filled spiritually or do we punch our clock when we do our thing? And we will struggle with that. And that's the wonderment of God, that he still comes. He still wrestles with us and we still wrestle with him. And at the end of the day, he wins. Uh, God talks about what he wants to talk about and it's your salvation. It's your life. And that is the the wonderment of the promise that the bread of life has come for you. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. 
I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.